Today, this week is Parshat Itro, the portion, the parasha of the Ten Commandments. That we're going to learn about the Ten Commandments. That's the most everybody knows the Ten Commandments, right? You know it by heart. But nobody can really say the Ten Commandments by heart. What are the Ten Commandments? Can anybody say the Ten Commandments? Together, you cannot say the Ten Commandments. Forget about each other separately. Go for it. What's with them? I'm the Lord your God. That's one. You should not worship any other gods. Two. Obviously, you shouldn't kill. Yeah, what you say? Yeah. Okay, can you stop from the beginning? Yeah. No, no, it's not your film. Go ahead. You shouldn't kill. Could not kill is three. Shabbat is five. No idols. Bill, you already said that. And your parents, six. Adultery, seven. Still, eight. And your mother and your father. I think COVID, you said You said it. And have a, he said, "Did we cover stealing? We covered stealing. We already covered it. Covered it. Don't say that. God's name in vain. Oh, nice. And we missed this one. False witness, right? Don't be a false witness. Yeah. Don't bear false. Yes, it would take takes ten Jews to figure out the Ten Commandments. Forget about. Forget. Forget about. Remembering all of them together. Forget about the 630 meters. Ten commandments we cannot pull together. If you, if you down it, from the first you watch, read the first page, everything's on the first page. They have to use your resources. God spoke all these words to respond. I am God, your Lord, who took you out of the land of Egypt, the house of your bondage. The first commandment is, I am your God. And which God who took you out from Egypt? Not God who created the world. Not God who did a lot of nice things. God who took you out of Egypt. Your personal God, so to speak. You you shall not have any other gods in my presence. Do not make for yourself a graven image. Mm -hmm. Do not take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. And keep what it means to not to take God's name in vain? Not to use God's name in the wrong place. It means to say, if it's not true. Go ahead. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not covet. Fully simple. This is only the beginnings of the ten. You understand they're written in much longer sentences. Rashi. All these words, this teaches that God spoke all the Ten Commandments in one utterance, something that a human cannot do. Why then is it necessary to state, I am your God, and you shall not have any other gods in my presence? Because then God repeated each commandment individually. What is this? What? Oh, yeah. uh, the first one, I am God, the Lord, who took you out of the land of Egypt, the house of your bondage. Why it needs to be the clarification or description that took you out of Egypt, uh, the house the bondage? Why uh, it's really just to point to this uh, portion? Just because it just happened after that? Uh, no, because accident? God wanted to say that the Jewish people, are, they came out from hours of slavery, literally hours of slavery, slavery. And God wanted to take them to become his slaves. We became God's servants, you understand? 
that God said, I took you out from being servants of Pharaoh to become my servant. It's not hours of bondage. The real translation is hours of, hours of slavery, of slaves, hours of slaves. Avadim. Avadim, Avadim means slaves. Hours of slaves. God wanted to say, you see, if God created heaven earth, still not my personal God. God wanted to say, I took you out. You owe me one. You owe me to become, I'm God, but not I'm just God. You see, God who created heaven and earth is a God, hello, a God, is a God that is a, he's created the world and left for vacation to Florida, to Naples, to retire. God who took you out from Egypt is the dog, God who takes you out, is now running the world. You, take, you went out from Egypt last week, it's because of me. I took you out. He runs the world, not just created the world. He's not just the creator. He is also the one who runs the world. That's the way what God wants to point out. Showing the contrast, once you were a slave, you had no control over your life, and nothing, no benefit you see. If you follow me, this is going to be your roadmap, and, and now you get the reward, you get the future, everything that you want in your life. And is that the show the contrast? Also, yeah, I mean, there is, all of this is true, yes. God wanted to to tell us how, to remind us that we came out from house of, of bondage. Because, you know, in the last six months in Egypt, they were not slaves anymore. Since the beginning of the plagues. And therefore, Jewish people have a very short memory. Oh, my Egypt was not so bad. So you remember it was out of bondage. Out, out of bondage. It was out of slaves. Don't, don't, don't think we, don't forget what you, what you had done. And now you're coming out to subdue your will on your own to God. Okay, um, then what he says, that God said the old ten orders in one shot. It was like in one second we heard all the ten orders, all the ten commandments. And then God repeated it again because people didn't understand well. Let's see what the Hizkuni has to say. He's one of the commentators of the Bible. Hizkuni. Initially God spoke to them in one utterance and the Jews didn't understand. The repetition of them teaches us that each one was then explained individually so that they would understand. The first two, I am your God and you shall not have any other God, were repeated and explained by God himself. But the people couldn't handle hearing from God directly. They asked for Moses to speak instead, lest God speak to us and we die. There is a few opinions. How exactly what was the Ten Commandments? One opinion says, for sure they heard it in one shot. It was like getting an email on your cell phone. On your, it's in one second you can get 100 pages come together. It didn't take time to say it. Then the Jewish people didn't understand. Then God repeated it. The question is if God repeated it, repeated the whole Ten Commandments. That's one opinion. One opinion says God repeated only the first two. Because the first two is everything. I am your God and do not worship idols. If I am your God... Everything I tell you, you have to do, and don't worship idols. There's no other God. Then from this, everything is, doesn't make a difference what I tell you. If I'm your God, then you got the whole message. The other opinion is, is that God repeated the whole Ten Commandments. The third opinion, that all the Ten Commandments were repeated by Moses. They heard it from God once as one shot, and then Moses repeated all the Ten Commandments. Okay, what's more important than prayer? What's... Give me the pen. Find another pen. Mm -hmm. He has another pen. 
Go ahead. You. The Rebbe, what's more important than prayer? No, no, don't read that. I told you it's the wrong, it's the wrong title. The Ten Commandments begin with, I am your God, your Lord, and conclude with, do not covet. The sages state that all of the Ten Commandments were first said simultaneously in one utterance, and then they were sta- stated separately, one by one. There are different opinions about who made the individual restatement of the Ten Commandments. Some say God, others say Moses, and others say that the first two were restated by God and the remaining eight by Moses. We need to explain the practical lesson we can learn from the original simultaneous statement of all of the Ten Commandments. The question is why God said it in one shot? If you know that human beings cannot understand, why was it so important to give it in one in one dose? We couldn't say it one, two, three, four, like a mensch. Why to complicate things? I have a question. Uh, is it literally, I don't read Hebrew or understand. Yeah. But was it literally in the text, you say it once, or is this an interpretation of somebody? That said that, that's an interpretation. We know from tradition how God said it. God, the, the question is how God said it in one shot. It was, it was like not like it didn't take five minutes to say the Ten Commandments. You understand? It was an experience that they got it. Is that when they, the Jews passed out? And yeah, that's, 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 what, that's, what, that's what happened. Oh. The Jews, it was such a revelation that the Jews passed out. Yeah. You mean on uh, the Sinai? On Sinai, yeah. They died. They died, some died, some passed yeah. out. So yeah, it was... It was, it, was, it was really a mess. <laughs> it was a real experience. It was, not, it was not about the information. It was about the experience, to know that he's speaking to God, and we mean business. So the question of why did he say it all in one shot, is that the question? Yeah, why not one, two, three, in a normal way? Why didn't take, we didn't take the time that human beings should be able to understand? Why was so important to God to give it in one package. That's the question. Okay. <coughs> Go ahead. Different personal mitzvot come from God. The Ten Commandments include both a mitzvot between man and God and interpersonal mitzvot. This can be seen in the division of the Ten Commandments into two tablets. First tablet contains the man-God mitzvot, and the second tablet contains the interpersonal mitzvot. Yeah, the first mitzvah is believing in God, the first commandment, right? The fir- in the first tablet. The second is not worshiping idols. The third is not using God's name in vain, right? What's number four? Shabbat. Keep Shabbat. Shabbat. It's all again between man and God. What's number five? Honor your father and mother. No, is it between man and God or between man and man? What's going on? Man and man. No. And why is it on the first tablet? Hmm. Yeah, that is number five. But why is it on the first tablet? On the first tablet. Because honoring your parents, who gives you the tradition, the Jewish tradition? God. I mean the parents. parents. Then honoring your parents is a part between you and God. And father, mother, and God together are partners in every education of a child. So this fifth one is like a bridge between the first four portions. Absolutely, yes. I thought you said once, like the, not an alternative version, but... Honoring your your parents is like taking care of them. This is also true. And when you you know, as they get older, you take care of this them. This is true. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. This is the first five. The second five is do not keep murder, do not keep, do not uh, commit adultery, do not, do not steal. 
do not uh, build uh, false witness, right? Yeah, and, uh, and the last one, do not covet. That's, there is two tablets, one between men and God and one between men and men. No. What's never, the problem? Go ahead, nevertheless. Nevertheless, all of the Ten Commandments were stated simultaneously. This is in order to emphasize that essentially they are all one unit. And therefore, even the personalized mitzvot need to be observed because of the divine command. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, there is mitzvahs between men and men. Many people say the mitzvahs in men and men are very, I'm very strong. Some people say I, I only observe mitzvahs between men and God. Some people say they only observe mitzvahs between men and men. Then God put them in one shot, in one package to say that you cannot, even the mitzvahs between men and men have to be done because God said so. Not because it's moral. Because God told us not to steal, not because we decide it's good, not, it's it's nice not to steal. That's that's why. Yeah, yeah, but here it says the why? Why is it? Because it's very important. You're right. It's very important that the misses that the men and, and uh, men and, and men and men should be done because God because of God. Go ahead. I have a question. So, the first time, is this the first time that we were given Mitzvot to follow? No. Okay. I mean, so official. How, uh, go ahead. So, how do you go from the, the 10 Mitzvot that were given to follow to 316 that we have? 613. Oh, Just to make it more complicated? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's much more than you thought. It's much more than you thought. It's all right. You were about halfway there. It's okay. Uh, you know what? If I can get through that many, right. I'm going to rate you. There we go. All right. Um. I'll tell you, the ten, the ten were healed from God. The ten were healed from God, and the other ones were given by Moses in the, in the five books of Moses. Okay. Really, God already gave some, some seven mitzvot to Noah. To Noah. Noah had laws. Exactly. Then God was speaking to... To, uh, gave mitzvot to, to Abraham was a, a one mitzvah, a circumcision, Isaac, Jacob to do, to tithing, the mitzvah of tithing, giving 10% is to, is to Jacob, and more and more things were given. And then God gave to Moses mitzvot before as they left Egypt. But it's not, and Shabbat was given a few weeks before. It's not that we never heard of mitzvot. The Ten Commandments was the first time the whole humanity met God. That's what happened in the Ten Commandments. You, the Jewish people saw God speaking to them. It wasn't about the news of the mitzvot they did not know. Oh, really? Not to kill? Whoa! I never heard about that. But not, not at uh, Mount Sinai. Those weren't the only Jews in the world, were they? The only Jews in the world. There was no other Jews. There was no Jews other no, than the ones no. who were... There were no some of them were in Las Vegas having a good time. No, everybody was there. Whoever was not there was dead, basically. But, but really, I mean, it's a good question. Like, so they, all the Jews were living in Egypt uh, at, at the time? Sure, everybody. It was a house of bondage. They were in jail. Like all the Jews living under the Soviet Union? Yes. They couldn't live, right? Well, but they were all there. Well, they were Hebrews at that point. Not uh, what's the problem? Yeah. Moses' family was it? Was 
Moses family, oh, yeah. Only Moses family, yeah. Only Moses' wife and his two children, they were in Midian when God gave the Torah. One opinion says they came before God gave the Torah. That's, a, that's the way it's written in the Bible. <coughs> they, came before, they, came because, they came before Mount Sinai. They were not there by the exodus from Egypt. They joined them after the split. Yes, but they were at Mount Sinai, they were there. Some scholars think that uh, the Hebrew, the God of the Bible, was also worshipped by other people uh, in, in, in the area. You're right, could be. Yeah, because, because, because it was the influence of the Jews or other people too, could be. Yeah. But yeah, all the Jews were at Mount Sinai. So what's the problem? The, the God did not have a microphone? What's the problem? No, I'm- You don't see, even you were there. No. <laughs> Your soul was there, huh? <laughs> You were there, yeah. You count only as Jews the people who came who were descendants of uh, Abraham, Isaac. Those are the ones that came over. So, so theoretically, only those people, the Israelites, or the Hebrews. Yeah. Were the fathers. Only they counted. So if they were in there by marriage or adoption. Okay, let's continue. We are, we, are in page, we are in page three, the third paragraph. Actually, Leslie, you can continue. That means to say that all of the Ten Commandments have to be observed because God said so, not because we think it's the right thing to do. As a result, as a result, the only way to guarantee observance of the interpersonal mitzvot is by remembering that they are God's commands. That I am God, your Lord, is the one who commanded, do not covet. If one understands the reason why one commands <coughs> the other, that's certainly good. But even if one doesn't understand the connection, this doesn't change the fact that they were all given. Basically, we cannot do it because I think it's the right thing to do, because it's a moral thing to do. Why is it so bad to do it because it's a moral thing to do? Why we need God What do you think? Who's moral? Well, we're not making our own judgment. Of it's morality. not up to us. It's not up it's to everybody individually. It's up to, it's up to God. Because morality, that's up to human beings. It can change. It yeah. can change every <laughs> hour. Yes. Five minutes. <laughs> You're right. Nothing. <laughs> you know, for example, okay, you go ahead. We'll continue. Please. The perils of human morality. In previous generations, it may have been possible to debate whether living a moral life is only possible when it's based on the fact that this is the will of God, the creator of the world. One could try to build a case that it's possible for humans to construct their own moral code based on logic and philosophy analysis. But in our generation, reality has shown that this is not viable. And the Rebbe speaks, points out 
than the Jewish, than in the general, you know, people, many people argue they can be a moral person without, being a, without believing in God. There are moral people who don't believe in God. But the Rebbe said if there was a question, if this could, is, is this sustainable or not, our last generation proved that it's not sustainable. Continue the next one. We, uh, we observed, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, continue. Uh, 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 okay. <coughs> Uh, we observed a, a nation that prided itself with its sophistication of logic, science, philosophy, and morality. This nation prided itself with its members who spent decades devoted to academic studies, writing books on, on these topics, and raising questions, of, raising generations of students. Yet this very same nation displayed the most appalling lack of morality possible. We witnessed this in our generation. Obviously, we know what the Rebbe is talking about. Then we're talking about in Germany, the nation was the most educated people, the most philosophic, the biggest philosophers came from this nation, and they were writing books about it, and they turned to be the biggest animals. The most. But at the same time, Rabbi, there were many righteous people in Germany who weren't Jewish. Who did the right thing at the risk of what happened You're right, you're right. How many how many righteous people are there? In the in the in the in the in in this in the Shoah Museum in Jerusalem in Yad Vashem. And there is a hall of fame for righteous people, righteous genders. From all from one second, from all over Europe. How many people are there? I have no idea. Twenty five thousand, I think. Well, that's from all over Europe, not only from Germany, from all over Europe. Just, just, just a point. Hmm. Well, I, I don't know how <clears throat> totally God-fearing people oh, yeah. also to risk their own lives and families with this point. Okay, I'm, listen, I'm not arguing, but the point is, you, you know, you're right there were some righteous people, but the nation as a whole was very excited about Islam. Okay, we're not going to politics. We're talking about <laughs> Islam. Well, okay. Go ahead, please. Okay. <coughs> so much to okay, okay. Point after the yeah, <laughs> after after the class, it's time for politics. Now it's class. <coughs> okay. You throw now. So much to portray this as the doing of one deranged man to force people to the system, but this is false. All those who were in the country, myself among them, saw the great enthusiasm with which that man was received by his nation. These supposed advocates of morality expressed their hope that this man would realize their dreams of Germany above all. One second, one second, one second. The Rebbe saying how he was the Rebbe was living in Germany from 1928 until 1933. He was studying in Sorbonne, in, a, in a, the University of Berlin. <coughs> and he saw how it's going, how the power, what happened since when, when, uh, when, uh, when the Nazis became more and more powerful, more, more, more and more popular, and when they came to power. <coughs> and he saw how excited was Germany. You see in the, in the movies, you can see, when he comes, <coughs> how the youth, how many... Hundreds of thousands are standing and, and, and ex- getting excited about them. And he, was, he lived there. And the reason why he left is because, because, uh, because uh, Hitler came to power. He moved to, to Paris. And then uh, he was there and he says, I saw what, what was happening. This is a, was a moral nation 
were very, very, very important. Morality was very important to him. And suddenly, they turned completely 180 degrees and became the most, the worst of the worst. They, they created, they did atrocities that no, no nation before ever did so many and such big magnitude, such a genocide. Okay, no fear of God. No fear of God. 80 million people lived in their country, many of them well-educated people. How could they be capable of such cruel conduct? The reason is that surely there is no fear of God in this place and they will kill me. Murder is an interpersonal matter and fear of God is a man-God matter. Nevertheless, the verse links them, stating that interpersonal conduct is determined by one man-God conduct. He, soon we learn about it. What he's talking about when Abraham came, went to, the second time he told, he told Avimelech that his wife is his sister, that Sarah is his sister, right? Then, he, then he, later when Abimelech was uh, punished by God and discovered that his wife, he told him, why you didn't tell me it's, my wife. it's your wife, I wouldn't touch her. He says, I was afraid that it's not a God-fearing place and therefore they'll kill me and they will take my wife. That's why he didn't say it. Then Abraham linking the two, not to murder is in the second tablet. Fearing of God is in the first tablet, but he links the two. If you're, if you're not a God-fearing man, you, you, might, you might even kill somebody. Let's read the source number two. Danny, please. <clears throat> source two, Genesis 22, 3, and 11. Abraham said about Sarah, his wife, She is my sister, <clears throat> and Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. God came to Abimelech in a dream and of the, of the night. And he said to him, Behold, you are going to die because of the woman whom you, are, you have taken, for she is married woman. Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see? What, what you did this thing? Yes. Abraham said, For I said, Surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Then that's why he linked the fear of God to murder, to men to men, men to men and men to God were linked to each other. Go ahead, Moishi, you want to read? Okay, Mendel, you want to read? In order. Yeah. So does a atheist yeah. who's a moral person, Yeah. I mean, he's got to somewhere believe in something. You know, where is he getting this code of conduct from? Or just society? Or is he Society. Not? I'll give you an example. But is he a hidden... I, usually when they're talking about this thinking humanity, that's mm. their... Uh... But is he really a hidden believer in God? Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know if he's a hidden believer in God, but it's, people can be moral people. Mm. But it's not sustainable in the long run for everybody together. That's a problem with it. I'll give an example. Uh, two adults are allowed to have relations, right, by, by, by consent. They agree? But with, with a minor, it's not allowed, right? What's a minor? Who decides what's the age of a minor? What's the age of a minor in America? Under 18. 16. 18. It depends on the state. Depends yeah, on the state. On the... How much is in Ohio? Pardon? What is in Ohio? 
What is in other clear states? Seventeen. You see, seventeen, sixteen. Yeah. In Japan, it's thirteen. What does this tell you? You see what you, what what moral humanity looks like. You twisted it. Everything is up for 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 decision for change. Everything is up for change. When people want to do whatever they want, they are not doing a crime. They just reduce the net age. Now they're righteous people. It was a consent. He agreed and I agreed. What do you want? Yeah, but in the, with the Jewish law, it's 13. So uh, it's the same as Jewish No, no, no. Jewish law says you're not allowed <coughs> to have relations with anybody if you're not married. That's what Jewish law says. Yeah, but it can be 13. But I thought, I thought we were discussing the marriage. No, no. Age, I'm telling you, age for relations. This is an example our morality, we wash morality, we whitewash morality the way we want it. We do with it whatever we want. The moment we reduce the age, now it's kosher. I can do whatever I want. There's not morality. And I read a whole article about that. Then they said that really there is no way to say that 16, you are a mature, mature adult and you can, make, you can make decisions on your own or 18. What is the age? Some people are mature when they are 15. Some people are mature when they are 19. Some people... It's a very hard thing to decide. Then when people want to do the wrong thing in regular society, we don't need three people to get up. In a regular society, our people cover up their, moral, their immoral, immoral behavior very easy. They just change the codes and everything is moral. And there is thousands of examples to this. We, 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 the Torah says in the Ten Commandments, you're not allowed to commit adultery. You're not allowed to commit adultery, not with young, not with old, not with middle, not with anything. That's why, and that's a, one example of our, our morality when human beings decide what to do is, is, up, is, a, is, is very easy to be changed. Yeah, but then also, but there's a point of man could have many, many wives changed later on. It changed about the year so then it was allowed that a man could have more than... One wife, yes, yes. Yeah, he had to marry more than one wife. It's not, it was allowed. Yes, no, but the Torah doesn't cover this up. We know that. And Jacob had wives. Four wives, he had four wives, yes. Compromise was allowed too, yes. Again, again, nobody says it was that. Whatever is written is written, and you're allowed. And then came a rabbi and said that you're not allowed to... He made a cherem, it's called... Um, bend, you're not allowed to marry to one wife, and since then, you're not allowed to marry more than one wife. But it's very clear, it's not up for everyone and every generation to decide what they want. And by the way, to make things not allowed is easier. Nobody came and, and, and allowed something that was, not, that, that was not allowed in the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, Nobody came and said, you're allowed to marry your sister, when the Bible says you're not allowed to marry. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, Abraham, Abraham was before the Torah was given. Okay, but also, so it's before. Absolutely. Take the same action before the Torah is yeah. given. Yeah, it's okay. And yes, yes. They used to eat meat, they couldn't eat meat. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, one second, one second. One second, one second. Yeah, yeah. The, it was inherently bad. I think it's inherently bad, regardless. Yeah, I see. I think I think that uh, having uh, relations, even by, by by agreement, is inherently bad. That we, we, when you decide and I decide, then it's not up to us. That's why we need the Ten Commandments. That's why we need morality be based on God. That it's not up to every human being to decide what is good and what is bad. Exactly for this. Thank you for coming, by the way. <laughs>
I needed somebody to disagree with me. <laughs> oh, go, go for it. I had great respect. No, no, no. I, I understand. No, really. Thank you. And just clarify, I'm not sure. I thought he escaped from Russia. I may have No, 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 no. Yes, yes, Schneerson and his son, he was the son-in-law of the, of the Rebbe who escaped from Russia. He left together with them. They, they were in Europe. The Rebbe went to Germany with his wife and he studied it. While his father-in-law was in Latvia, then in Poland, and in other places. But he was in, in Germany for five years and then he went to, to Paris and he was there from, until World War II broke out, from 1933 until 1940. And then he, in 1941, he came to America, he survived. But yes... How you know about the Rebbe? I know a lot about a lot of different things. Uh, okay, <laughs> good. My, my, my name, my given name is Emmanuel, but in Yiddish it was Mendel. So Mendel. My, so my hero is, is, is the Kotsky Rebbe. Oh, 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 very good. Oh, you were named after the Kotsky Rebbe? No. 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 You were named after the Rebbe that it was the same name. Well, I just like, <laughs> in Yiddish they called me that. Sorry. No, that's your name, no, Mendel. Yeah, my given name is uh-huh. Who gave you Emmanuel and who gave you Mendel? Well, I have a, a Jewish mother and a Greek father. So then your mother, by, when you were born, she gave you Mendel, probably. No, no, she, she gave me Emmanuel. Emmanuel, and who gave you Mendel? Mendel was like the Yiddish translation uh-huh. in my neighborhood. Uh, okay, everybody was Mendel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a good name. I'm all for it. Okay, ulterior motives leads to uh, sincerity. What is this? Sincerity. Okay, go ahead. Moishi. That means, that means the moment you accept that God said there is a God and he's the boss, then it doesn't make a difference what he says. You accept everything and you do it because he said so. After accepting the Torah, go ahead. After accepting the Torah, we are instructed one to always study Torah and observe Mitzvot, even if it's not for their own sake. In our case, even if a person observes the personal Mitzvot with the ulterior motive of gaining honor, Bottom line is that mitzvah is still being observed. See, it said like this. Even somebody who doesn't believe in God doesn't make a difference. We want him to observe any mitzvah possible. Even the mitzvah to men and men. I don't care why he doesn't kill anybody. As long as he doesn't kill. That's the that's good news. The same thing about anything else. Because Judaism believes continue. But ultimately... But ultimately, the reason we are told to observe mitzvah, even if... Um, not for their own sake is because uh, from observers, not uh, for their own sake, one will arrive at observance for their own sake. Observance of the mitzvot because they are God's will. Eventually, a person will do the mitzvah again and again and again. Yes, the chances is that eventually he will come to observe the mitzvah for the right reason. Because every mitzvah connects the Jew to, to God. Then when he starts, little by little, he's doing more and more and more. 
have eventually come to the right way. That we encourage people to do mitzvahs no matter what the reason is, as long as you do it. Action is more important than everything. Continue. The reason... Whatever. Uh, the reason it is uh, certain that observance of mitzvah not for their own sake will lead to observance for their own sake is because all of the Ten Commandments were stated simultaneously. Since the interpersonal mitzvot are inexplicably linked with I am God, um, your Lord, observing them will certainly eventually lead to recognizing the truth that even do not murder and do not covet are dependent on I am God, your Lord, the co uh, commander of the mitzvot. It means to say a person will realize being disappointed from society and see that when mitzvot, when, when, when uh, look, we see it now how the whole world is against Israel. In one minute they forgot about us, they just forgot about everything. And these moral people who care for morality don't see anything what happened in October 7. It's like it doesn't exist. It would flew through the window. To, to accuse Israel, the nation who suffered from genocide, 75 years later on genocide, this alone that they accepted this, this argument is a crime. And that shows you our morality, if it's not based on God, can turn against you in one second. Okay, once the Rebbe, you know, in the early years, the Rebbe used to get go, uh, groups of students who used to come to Crown Nights to spend a Shabbat, a Shabbat with, uh, with, in, with Chabad, and then they had a private audience with the Rebbe, this group, and they used to ask questions. Then this is a, a <coughs> quote from one question and one discussion that they had. Okay, go ahead. Why are Judaism and ethics uh, interrelated? The Rebbe, students representatives. The students have two or three problems that they have would like to discuss. The Rebbe, they only have two or three? That would be quite good. <laughs> morality, morality without religion? Student representative, why can one not better himself without keeping kosher and the Jewish holidays for good ethical practices? Why cannot be a good man without, without godliness, without uh, mitzvahs, yeah? The Rebbe. To illustrate my point, is it the same human body which has many limbs and members? You can do something to better every part and you can restrict medical care to one part. You can observe only the rules applying to health of the hands but not of the feet, or only the rules for health of the respiratory organs and not digestive organs. There may be good results to this part but not to all parts. But in the long run, since all limbs are connected, the conditions of one influences all others. <coughs> if something is good for one part, it is ultimately good for the other parts as well. And if it's not, it influences others in the wrong direction. Yeah, we all know that. We're all trying to fix one part, but then we forget about those. You go to doctor, he's the doctor only on your nose. He doesn't care what it's going to cause you for the rest of your body. He gives you medication. Mm -hmm. Then the other doctor doesn't care what you do, other things. And nobody knows from each other. And, you, and that's how you ruin everything. Mm -hmm. What is good for one, for the body, for a person, one helps the other. We are one person. We are one body. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. No, well, no I, I, I agree. But again, practically, as an old guy, I can spend all my time going to doctors for everything. You're right. You have to pick sometimes and choose. And you do what you can do. Because many times they want you to do everything, you wind up doing nothing. It can be gore agonish. So That's very good. Very good that you so say it. I think sometimes there's a goal. I can agree with the goal. How you get there can vary from person to person. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more than you, and that's what I'm doing the whole day. 
I don't throw the book on anybody. We start with one thing at a time. Your daughter is the best example. <coughs> uh, if I may tell one quick story. Yeah, I, please. I was in San Antonio, Texas. I had married, I had gotten divorced. And first wife, uh, I was more, I wasn't bar mitzvah or anything, but I was more for service than she was. But that's amazing. So I go, there's a Chabad rabbi that comes up to Austin. And I said, well, I'd like to eat kosher chicken. So he said, fine. He would bring up kosher meals. And that's it. When was it? That many years ago? Which oh, year? This was like 1974. Okay, go a ahead. A long time ago. Anyway, so he comes. He says, why don't you kosher your knives and forks? So I said, Rabbi, very respectfully, eating the food means something to me. Koshering my knives and forks doesn't. And I like the way he said, okay, maybe someday you will do that. Very good. So I like that approach. So That's what Chabad is all about. That's what the Rebbe is. I joined the conservative synagogue later on, and there was a rabbi there, conservative, nice man, but he spoke before he thought. It came out right away. So I was telling this story, and he looked at me and he said, I wouldn't eat at your house, very angrily. Now, so I have a time delay. I didn't say who to blankly blank invited you. <laughs> when anybody comes to my house, I let them know exactly the extent of kashruth that I have. So. So that's why I like them. Very nice, very nice. That was great. Good story. Thank you. Continue. We'll say thank you. Yeah. If you observe in a certain part of the uh, 614 mitzvot, you're doing a good job. However, it does not exempt you from observing the others. Even more so, not observing one disturbs also the category which is observed. Continue. Students. Student representative. Do you say that if one does not keep Shabbat, he can't keep the laws of ethics? The Rebbe. I cannot deny the fact that many people keep the ethics and not Shabbat, and many observe Shabbat but not the ethics. Each has its own merits and cannot be substituted, but all are connected. Each brings another. A good deed brings another good deed, and by not observing one bad deed causes another bad deed. A mitzvah brings to another mitzvah. <coughs> bad behavior brings to another bad behavior. Then it's all, it's all in one package. We try, you're right. We go from step to step. But the idea is, we don't say, I'm going, uh, we, it's, one, it's one body that we try. We try to go to this direction. Go ahead. The foundation of ethics. Many study the ethics of our father, which has a curious beginning. It is one of the tractates of the section of damages the fourth of the six sections of the Talmud, and in that section, it is one of the last. Yet, the beginning of Ethics of Our Fathers tells us that Moses received the Torah on Mount Sinai and gave it to Joshua, and so it was passed on to our times. This statement seemingly belongs at the beginning of the Oral Torah, at the beginning of the Tractate of Blessings, to tell us that all the rulings of the Oral Torah were given on Mount Sinai. Yeah, read out the beginning of, of the of the of the Pekea of what starts, of ethics of our fathers. <coughs> Moses received the Torah at Sinai and passed it on to Joshua, and Joshua passed it on to the elders, the elders to the prophets, and the prophets to the men of the great assembly. You see, this beginning should be the introduction to the whole Talmud, to know how this business is going. Who got the Torah? How we, uh, like people ask, who made it up? How did it happen? 613 commandments. Now we know the whole story. But this introduction is not written in the beginning of the Talmud. It's written in the beginning of the ethics of our father. When it comes to ethics, it comes this introduction. Why? Continue. 
the Rebbe. Nevertheless, we find this statement in ethics of our fathers with the ethical rules, for it is not necessary for putting on tefillin, which can be done without believing. There is no condition that one must know the reason for fulfilling the commandment of tefillin, but if one is ready to keep the moral laws all his life, they can't be based only on human reasoning and consulting friends. For then, one can deviate and stretch until they completely distort a mitzvah. From, the, from an ethical rule, you make a sin, and from a sin, an ethical rule. And therefore, we find this introduction, which was expressly meant to introduce the tractate, which contains ethical clauses, ethical rules. You see, if you put on film, even if you don't believe in God, put on film, the moment you put on film, you're already connecting to God. But the ethical rules, and you do, if you do them by, because it's the right thing to do, human beings can twist everything. I always, I, I had once, years ago, it's interesting, I was by this person, just I saw them yesterday. But many, many years ago, I had a class, and a woman who is very, she was a dean of a university, she was very educated, and she argued with me for, hour, for a good long time, why you need God, why you cannot do it without God? Finally, I told her an example. I said, listen, your child is coming from school and he tells you that he stole a dollar from one boy and he bought with that a sandwich to a kid who had not, was hungry, starving. And you tell him, it's not moral to steal from, you're not allowed to steal, it's unmoral. He tells you, mom, you are entitled to your opinion and I have my opinion. I think to take from this rich boy with the, the dollars are packed, folded in his pocket, I take from him a dollar and to buy a sandwich for the other kid is actually a good thing, a good day. That's a mitzvah. They go, this boy is hungry. He didn't, have, he, will, he, will not, he didn't get breakfast. He will go home back. He will never, not get lunch. I saved him. I told him, oh, what is going to be your answer Then this is moral or not moral? If morality is dependent on my opinion and your opinion and his opinion, then I have my own opinion. You have your own opinion. You're entitled to yours. I respect your opinion. I, you respect my opinion. That's the problem with these things. Whenever it's dependent on human being, everything is up for change. Fifty years ago, gay marriages were against the law. Fifty years later, the majority is for gay marriages. I'm not even going into this whole business. I'm just showing how morality is up for change every day. So? I like that because I think under understanding that's a given moral, uh, moral. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know, <laughs> if you go, the problem is how you decided that the, that the majority is for gay marriages. The majority in Germany were for killing all the Jews. That's a fact. What I mean to say, we cannot base morality on majority of people. There was the most educated nation. The majority elected Hitler. The majority cheered for him in the millions of standing outside and cheering for him. The bottom line is the majority of the people were okay with it. The, well, I don't know. I don't if know. not, they wouldn't... The Sit on the sideline, don't say anything. It's very like I agree with you, but wrong side. They didn't get up. There's no sign of anybody in Germany getting up and saying, Don't stop this badness. Well, there were many who died. There, was the, there is no the sign of, for sure. For the few that, that's the old saying like, if you're silent, you agree. Exactly. Absolutely. Like, if you use that, if you're silent, right. you decide to be silent about something, means that you're agreeing with it. What I mean to say is the point is not how many in exactly what. The point is that, you, that morality that's based on human beings 
can get very far, and we see it every day. We don't have to go even to Germany. We see it every day. Rabbi, if we want to go back in history and count up how many people have been killed in the name of religion and how many people... Oh, that's all. This is leftist propaganda. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's count up how many people died because of religion and how many people died because of Stalin and Hitler. Tell me. A lot died before Stalin and Hitler. Oh, Mao. And, 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 yeah, and Mao, Mao. Three people were not religious at all, killed <coughs> hundreds of millions, not millions, hundreds of millions. No religion, all the wars of the religions together didn't kill even 10% of it. Not even 5% of it. Well, I to go back to Please, Please go for it. <laughs> I'm telling you, not even 5%. The three, these three atheists killed more human beings than, than, than humanity will ever do. Some people look at, again, morality. There's a book called The God That Failed. Many people look at colonialism. I'll tell you, but it was the bottom line is Stalin was eradicated any, any inch of religion, nothing. He, maybe we, I'm coming from Russia. I mean, I know what, they, what Stalin did. Stalin took off any religion. Yeah, sure, later he became, he became the God. The point is, we cannot leave it to us. That's what the point is. At and the start of World War One, the bishops in, in, in Berlin were less or many trying to get Catholic bishops plus the German troops and had God with us. In France, the bishops were blessing the French. The bishops, not in France and not in Germany, made the decisions about the war. You know that and I know that. Well, but they were blessing the troops. Blessing, yeah, blessing. Yeah. I can also give a blessing. <laughs> what I mean to say is, the, the war was not a World War One was not a religious war by any stretch of imagination. I understand. I agree. I agree with you, but it's not. It doesn't make it a religious war. Okay. The painful proof. Who's supposed to read? Phil. The painful proof to our sorrow. In an era and generation, we all saw this distortion take place in Germany. I studied in Germany for many years before Hitler, and people in influential circles always quoted from Kant, Goethe, and the ethical philosophers. They made no move without a footnote with a book and page number. Then Hitler came to power with a new theory in philosophy, and an overwhelming majority of people, in my opinion, 99% were on his side. Not after rejecting Goethe, Kant, but continuing to accept them, and they joined Hitler in all his actions, even the massacre of people. This is an illustration of an ethical system based on philosophical theories and human reasoning, without a solid basis, which will not change. Okay, continue, uh, Leslie, please. Of light unto the nation. Anyone who accepts upon himself the fulfillment of these seven mitzvot and the precise character of the sincere promise of Christ among the and will merit a share in the world to come. This applies only when he accepts them and fulfills them because God commanded them in the Torah and informed us through Moses, our teacher, that Noah's descendants had been commanded to fulfill them previously. However, if he fulfills them, out of intellectual conviction, he is not one of the pious among the Gentiles, nor of their wise men. Pious Gentiles, the concept of pious Gentiles, Hasidei Umot Olam, the righteous Gentiles, is coming from here. 
Then Maimonides, when he writes about what is a righteous dental, somebody observed the seven Noahite laws. Why? Because God said so. Not because it's the right thing to do. Not because I love it. Not because it sounds good, moral. Because it has to be done. I'm, basically, I subdued my mind to a higher authority. It's not about me. Every one of us, we are all not objective. The objective person was not born yet. Let's be realistic about life. Then when people say, I'm objective, I, I know the right... What do you mean you know? I don't know. I'm not objective. I, every decision that I made is, is, is because I'm, I, I praise my kid. I'm, but really, I'm objective. I really think he's a good boy. Give me a break. Who is objective about his own kid? Convince yourself that you're objective. What do you mean you're objective? You can't. If you're objective, it's a crime. You're objective about your kids? You care for your kid as much as the other person cares? What do you tell me you're objective? We are never objective. It's impossible to be objective. The objective person was not born yet. And besides, even if you make a decision, you judge other people, you come from a certain set of rules, certain sets of experiences, from belief. If you had a bad experience with a certain type of group of people, you're always afraid from them. You see, I'm afraid of dogs, right? Many people love dogs, and I am afraid of dogs. They get, they get, they get, they get, they get almost offended. How dare are you afraid of dogs? It's because, I might, because the way I grew up. Other people have experiences with different people. Certain people suffered violence in certain communities, are afraid of different types of people. There is all kinds of no man. Then that's the problem. You have to do it because of God. Now he says an, uh, extra, an additional point. The Rebbe. You want to read, please? As a fan of the Rebbe, we honor you to read about the Rebbe. Our role as Jews is to endeavor that every place in the world should conduct itself with justice and kindness. This means observing the seven Israel for all for all of mankind, about which Maimonides rules, Moses replayed to us relayed sorry, to us God's commandment to compel all the inhabitants of the world to accept the commandments given to know his descendants. Mm-hmm. We need to work towards the world. So the world will be filled with the knowledge of God to the extent in our time. This means that every corner of the world will be filled with knowledge of God. Go ahead. Self-control is the only, it's only possible with faith in God. The only way to guarantee just and kind conduct is to dedicate that and other undesirable acts is to fill the world with the knowledge of God of God belief and, and faith in the creator and master of the world. Uh, just in kind con, just in kind conduct requires a person to be, to forgive their honor and overcome jealousy and temptation. This will prevent them from infringing on each other's rights and even avoiding negative gossip about the others. Even it's true. This will only cause them to act in the long-term interests of civilization throughout the entire day and their entire life. All of this is only possible if it is based on a commandment to, to fulfilling the will of God, the creator and master of the world. It, it means to say even little things that are, that are not, not talking about killing people or hurting people, but little things that you you are uh, you 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 stealing you're taking from somebody you cutting corners or you all of these things when nobody sees and the law is, is let's say the law is, is gray and you if you to be a very honest person to 
but not to even say something bad about another person, you need to be aware that you're standing in front of God, because if not, it's very hard to do it, even for the most religious person. You need to, you need to say some good gossip about another person. You, well, why not? I don't hear them. I just talk to my friend, to my best friend. It's secret. It's a secret. Nobody will ever know. Only we talk to each other. And then you're surprised why it goes out. Then, and you need, you need to have an higher authority above you that you are accountable for him. And you say, but nobody else sees it. God sees. It's, you, you, it's, you have to, you have to meet, your, meet God every day. Not when you're after, when you, when you die, you meet God. You meet God every day. And that's what you need to... Have in your mind. Have, live like this. If not, it's very hard to control yourself. And you want to continue? This Phil. is all the more true when uh, talking to humanity in general. A just and moral world can only be guaranteed when it's based on commitment to the creator and master of the world, not any man-made system of ethics. In the words of Amandi, who quoted earlier, when he accepts them and fulfills them, not out of intellectual conviction, but because God commanded them in the Torah and formed us through Moses. We Jews are responsible for influencing the world in this direction. You see, the point is, like I said before, a person, one individual, yeah, can be for 10 years, be moral even without, without God. But it's not sustainable for, for long term. That's a problem. It's not enough for a generation, for the world, for the public, for everyone, for, even for myself for a long term, for, 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 for all life. Because many people, they do it for a little bit, then they're not in the mood, they're not so moral, then they do it again. It's up to, it's up to us. Okay. You skipped Leslie. I, sk- I skipped Leslie. No, 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 she was reading. She read? Yeah, she was reading. No, Leslie, I'm much people concerned about you. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Depth and simplicity. <clears throat> the Ten Commandments combines two fundamentally different types of mitzvot. The first commandment expressed the deepest concept of divine unity, while the last commandment includes simple matters such as do not murder and do not steal, matters that are self-understand and even the simple mind. The combination of the two categories, it's both in the Ten Commandments, alludes to another unification part, archived at the giving of the Torah, or achieved, I'm sorry, achieved in the, at the giving of the Torah. The higher realms of will descend to the lower realms, and the lower realms will ascend to the higher. Okay, now it says that there is the reason for the Ten Commandments to be about these two things. It's not just because moral people cannot survive, but something more than that. It's it's uh, because because of uh, because it's the whole purpose of Mount Sinai was the combination of, of heaven and earth. What I mean with heaven, heaven, heaven and earth? He brings the example, the, the source number five. Mendel, you want to read source number five? David said... Saying that the Lord was made 
and send to the upper arms. So there is the example that the Medrash brings from King David. Is that David says the heaven belongs to God and the earth belongs to people. It means to say the heavens, the world, the, the heaven belongs to God. It means spirituality is by God, but physical is through this world. At Mount Sinai, the two connected. God came down to Mount Sinai and he connected heaven and earth, so to speak. Then it means to say we have to do observe the Ten Commandments not only because if it's not, you'll not be a moral person, because God wanted us to do everything, everything physical because of God. Open the window, though. Okay, continue. Moishi, you want to continue? Loud and clear. Okay, continue. No, Moishi, let her continue. If we separate, do not murder and do not steal from I am God, your Lord, and you shall not have any God in my presence, and leave the former to the realm of human reason, we may be led astray to our selfish desires and completely distort them um, so much um, that we will consider a transgression to be a mitzvah. It will uh, certainly be impossible to protect ourselves from the subtle forms of murder and stealing, such as embarrassing and misleading others. Uh, when we hold our small finger close to our eyes, um, it can conceal the entire world around us because it is so close to our face. Similarly, with our self-love, we are so dear to ourselves that we can be blinded from seeing anything else, even in the winter intentional transgressions. Can do every bad thing and in, in excuse everything. Even, go Even ahead. Even if we're possible to observe the interpersonal mitzvot with human logic alone, as Jews, it's our role to unite all the, of our actions. Even the most simple ones with, I am your God. I am, I am your God must be something we feel in everything we do. Even our most simple and logical actions needs to be infused with divine awareness. Here is, here is the point is, even you say, let's say you do it without God. You can do it and that's everything is okay. Still God wants you that everything that you do should, do should be infused with God. Why I do it? Because God. Why I call my mother? Why I know my parents? Because God said so. Not just because it's the right thing to do. Why I'm nice to you? Because God said so. I should be a godly person in everything that I do. That's what God really wants. That's the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments of Mount Sinai. Not because necessarily we cannot do If not, we'll be bad people. This is true too. But let's say it wouldn't be this problem. 
God wants you to be a servant of God in everything that you do. Not just in godly things. Not only in the synagogue you're a, you're a servant of God, but in the most mundane things you do because of God. Go ahead. This is evident in the teaching of the sages. Had the Torah not been given, God forbid, we would learn the requirement of modesty from a cat and the prohibition of stealing from an ant. Without the Torah, we would learn our system of ethics from animals because without the Torah, we wouldn't be able to connect our lowly, mundane affairs with godliness. But since the Torah was given and we have the ability to connect the higher and lower realms, even those positive traits that animals also possess should be infused with holiness and observed as God's commandments with a sense of submission to divine authority. I do it not because of the cat. I'm doing it because of God. A big difference. Continue. Faith in the lower realms. The lower realms may ascend to the higher realms. This means that even people who need to be directly commanded by God at the awe-inspiring event of the giving of the Torah not to murder and steal must ascend to the higher realms. Even such people are capable of divine awareness. And knowledge. And knowledge, even though divine knowledge is the loftiest of all forms of wisdom. Bottom line is, even if you are very moral people, when you do it, God wants you to do it because he said so. In this way, every minute of your life is 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 a divine service of God. That's the amazing thing about that. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Oh, yeah.